0: Welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller degnan our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how's it going?
1: It, it's going great, as always. How are you?
0: Pretty good. Um, getting ready for signing day a little bit. We've been both doing, I think, a little bit of prep over the last couple of days. Um, it's interesting. We're, we're in like a spot where... I think for, for a couple of years, uh, this signing day, like, felt like nothing, right? Like, there have been some years where we, since we've been working together, which, which is since the early signing period came about, where um, right. there were, like, years where, like, are they going to sign anyone? Maybe one guy, maybe two guys. It's a little bit – feels like for whatever reason, maybe the transfer portal played into it, where um, it's a little bit harder for guys to find their spots by December, and there's, there's some right. – Leverage they can get by holding on a little bit longer and waiting to see where all the the dominoes and the chips fall, um, but for whatever reason Miami's like in on a lot of really not not just a lot of names right now but a lot of really big names, uh, multiple five stars slated to visit this weekend, including Shamar Stewart, uh, five star defensive lineman from Monsignor Pace uh, up in Miami Gardens, a couple of other local guys from Cardinal Gibbons, um, you know there it is it's a spot where the, the, the floor of this class has already become pretty good because of what Mario Cristobal has done to supplement uh, what I think Manny Diaz did relatively well on a small scale. Um, but it has a chance this, by the time we talk next week, to, to be one of the, the best classes in the country, just full stop. But there's a lot of variance of where it can go depending on who they actually are able to land this weekend.
1: You think they could really be one of the one of the top? I mean, I, they're not gonna. Country, this, I mean,
0: this class I mean, is gonna be bigger than like fifteen guys or whatever, right? So it's never gonna be like ranked tenth or whatever. But if you just look at those fifteen guys, like you know, I think they have ten commits right now, and nine are are four star recruits or better, three are top one hundred recruits. Um, you know, they have a chance to get up to, let's say, they get to. 15 or whatever there's there's a real chance that like 12 of those guys are, are four star recruits you know maybe a five star in there if they can get Chamar Stewart it has a chance right. to be a really good class for for its size in particular which is you know I think across the country you're going to see a lot of small classes probably I think we're already seeing that uh, because of the transfer portal or because of that extra covid year really um, where you don't need necessarily need to fill the roster out in the same way and obviously miami has been really active in the transfer portal too. Uh, we Definitely. talked about a couple of guys last week they betted a few more this week um so you know they they got a chance to to finish strong here
1: yeah they do and um yeah i mean the 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 rankings then don't really uh, there's there, I guess there's so much predicated on the number of guys they get yes that um like you said it just depends uh how, you know how they how they end up doing if they get some of those you know heavy hitters they're going after so um but you know it's obvious mario is is an intense recruiter right and that's he's kind of uh well i i I really don't know what obviously he's still involved with the with the coaching searches for the coordinators um because we don't know the real specifics of that the details but um i think he's going you know full full force on, on the recruiting trail. So, yeah,
0: Yeah, I think the, it's an interesting, it's kind of an interesting decision he has made here where, you know, in the end, is it going to hurt them with some recruits that they don't have a defensive coordinator in place? It might, Um, you know, Shamar Stewart is again, the number one player in the state, basically, you know, down to Miami, Texas A&M and Georgia. And, you know, he's a guy who with his, size he is a uh let me make sure i have his measurables right in front of me uh on 24 7 which which this is pretty close to accurate 6'6, 272 like he's a defensive end at at pace and if you're running a 4-3 he could maybe be a defensive end um and certainly if you're in a 3-4 he's going to play defensive end but you know i know he'd prefer to play in a 4-3 than a 3-4 um right uh, Maybe what some defensive court, he wants to be a defensive end. If a defensive coordinator gets there, and it's like I, oh, we want you to be a defensive tackle instead because you've he got. Does, he doesn't
1: want that. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a made tough it. spot.
0: Like they've made this kind of uh, trade-off here, where Mario is going to go is gone all in on recruiting. You can you can tell like he is out on in-home visits as frequently as possible, and. Right you know, you can obviously walk and chew gum at the same time. I'm sure he's still heavily involved in the, the coaching search right now, but uh, they, they've clearly prioritized just trying to finish strong and recruiting over rushing to make sure you have this staff filled. And it'll be interesting to see how it, it plays out because like I said, will it ultimately cost you with a guy? Maybe, but uh, they're, they're betting that it'll do more good than bad in terms of talent acquisition, uh, but by just, Going all out and, and making recruiting the primary focus,
1: right? Um, what by the way, what what do you Mario's really obviously into? Linemen,
0: yes, a lot of linemen.
1: Yeah, on both sides, both sides of the ball. Um, and I'm wondering about this uh, Josh Conner, Connerly. Connorly, Yeah, how do you say his name?
0: I think it's Connorly.
1: Okay. Um, you know what kind of chance does he have with him?
0: Well, he's a, um, a West coast guy, Josh Connerly, five-star, uh, offensive lineman, uh, from Rainier beach in Seattle. So obviously not too far from Oregon there. Um, right. you know, it seems like it's an uphill battle for Miami right now. Um, I think Michigan has been kind of viewed as the favorite for a long time. Uh, right. Washington is in there. Uh, you he know, took a, a visit to Oklahoma a couple of weeks yeah. back, uh, so it seemed, you know, Oregon was obviously uh, a factor. The, the, the right. Of, right. The theme you look at with all these offensive linemen in particular that they've offered, but defensive linemen too. Um, you know, Ahmad Moten from uh, Cardinal Gibbons, a defensive tackle they were looking at, was being heavily recruited by Crystal Ball at Oregon. But, you know, it's, right. it's a theme you look at with all the offensive linemen they're offering. They are guys that Mario and Alex Mirabal had a pre existing relationship with. Um, you know, there's some guys here who were maybe Oregon leans or, or even Oregon commits like Dave Iuli, uh, who seems like they have a really good chance to land um, another mm-hmm. West Coast guy. Um, so th- they've got a relationship with Connerly that goes back more than just the whatever, however many weeks Miami has been recruiting him. But, you know, it seems like it's an uphill battle, but Miami gets the last official visit. And that's always a good thing that like you you it's want always to be the last good. one.
1: Uh- it's oh, it's good. Over the years? Especially with the weather?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's January. What, what do you think the weather is in uh, Seattle right now? Oh. Although they're getting a cold weekend here in South Florida, right? It's supposed, I was just reading we're supposed to have temperatures oh feel like the 30s on, on Saturday. Yeah, high 30s, 40. Uh. Oh, maybe, maybe it's not going to work out the way that, uh, that yeah, they're, that's,
1: they're I I heard that it's going to go from... Uh, it supposed been,
0: like nice. We're recording this uh, Thursday evening. It's supposed to be nice on Friday, like 70s during the day, and then like within 14 hours, it's going to be like 40 degrees.
1: I think w- w- wait, fr- it's going to be f- is it Saturday night it's going to be 30 something or Friday night?
0: Um, Research here. Uh, uh, Saturday, night, Saturday night, you're right. Sunday is going the day it's going to be really cold.
1: No, no. Here, I think I think, believe it or not this is really funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's Saturday, sunny. All right. That it's go- Saturday, uh, Saturday night. Oh, in the middle of the night. So it already have been Sunday. That's right. It's okay.
0: That, that's 37,
1: 37 degrees where I am at, but in Broward, um, but it's going to go from 37 to 60 in a matter of whatever however many hours 10 hours just, just make sure you've
0: got josh connerly locked in his hotel room until it until it gets back <laughs> up to 60 degrees
1: oh my god you're right it's gonna be oh that's crazy oh that's not good for them <laughs> recruiting wise no yeah. you don't want those kids to come and say ah oh, that's bs it's 37 in miami
0: yeah
1: all no, right now well, no okay. you're looking
0: for in your miami trip um but yeah i mean just uh, Like on a more serious note, it does help to get those last guys. And and you look at – I guess let's just run through the guys who were coming um, Okay. this weekend. You obviously got Shamar Stewart, five-star defensive lineman from Monsignor Pace. Josh Mm -hmm. Connerly, five-star defensive – or five-star tackle from uh, Seattle. You got a couple other local kids. R. Mason Thomas from Cardinal Gibbons, uh, defensive end, linebacker. Right now coming into Iowa State, I think Miami's got a real good shot to flip him. He was kind of a breakout star. Uh, this year for Gibbons. Same goes for Ahmad Moten. Uh, his teammate there, defensive tackle, 6'3", 290. Another guy, didn't have any offers five months ago, and it now has like 20-plus. Seems like it's a Miami-Oklahoma battle on him. Um, mm-hmm. I know he's got a really good relationship with Brett Venables. I wrote about him more in depth. Uh, you can check that out, MiamiHerald.com. Uh, also coming down, Chris, Kristen, Miller, uh, Kristen Miller, four-star yep. defensive lineman from – uh Ellenwood, Georgia, which I believe is kind of a, a Atlanta suburb. Um Georgia the favorite there. Interestingly, uh, he took an official visit to FAMU last week, so it's a little bit on that HBCU trend that's been going on. I uh, got Javante Citizen, uh, a four-star running back from Louisiana, who's coming down, um former LSU commit. Not really sure what he this will be his first official visit this month. He took a lot last summer. I think the the Odds are probably still that. in LSU's favor, but Miami obviously getting that last push. And then the last yeah. one, yeah. Cooper, Cooper, uh, three star tackle from Pleasant Grove, Alabama, 6'6", 352. Uh, Miami just offered him like a week ago. Um, so they're making a late run at him. And it is 6'6", uh, like 352. That is a big body. So <laughs> I'd say if I had to guess who they're, they're going to come out of here with, I think they got a good shot with Cooper uh, Ayuli who came down a couple of weeks ago. Again, like I think he was committed to Oregon at one point, or was like at least had very heavy lean to Oregon, right? Um, you know, and then everything else feels kind of like 50, uh, 50 battles. Miami's trying to take its last swings here uh, with guys like Stewart, Thomas, um, Moten. So uh could go a lot of different ways coming off this weekend, I think.
1: Right. Um, hmm. Well, I'm looking at the, uh, at, at some of these guys. Um, see, I mean, I, again, a lot, lots of linemen. I, I love that he's getting linemen. Yeah. Uh, Matthew
0: McCoy, another guy there in the mix on from St. Augustine, um, visited a couple of weeks back. Uh, I think Florida, you know, Florida is like kind of viewed as the favorite now, I think at this point, at least in the, the crystal ball, after they offered him recently, um, UCF also in there uh so yeah a lot a lot of linemen particularly offensive linemen which again that's kind of Crystal Ball's specialty obviously and it's interesting you know he comes in and what did he say the first thing he was going to do was right evaluate the roster um yeah and, and you was, and I think it's not a yeah, secret yeah. like you could you could see it from the outside um this team's got to get better in the trenches the defensive line I think was Really underwhelming last year. The offensive line uh, got much better as the year went on. I think he probably feels pretty good about this group for next year that they, they have coming back. But um, you can tell, obviously, he he real, he knows that. And I think you know it's not a, it hasn't been a secret. Manny Diaz knew it too that uh, you got to really recruit hard at offensive line. And you know that is in a lot of ways. It's like it was part of the selling point with him, right, is that he's kind of an offensive lineman and he's an totally. offensive lineman and that has been the single biggest weakness for this program over the last 10-plus years, it feels like. And, and yeah. seeing the early returns on that, obviously he's got to close the deal with a lot of these guys and then develop when they get to campus. But um, just the number of offensive linemen he's in the mix for going into signing day and the fact that you can get a five-star tackle to come to campus uh, all the way from Seattle – like, it's all good signs. It, it, it points to uh, success in that realm, future success in that realm that, that Miami was banking on him being good in.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't get better. I mean, Mario's one of the best recruiters anyway, but yeah. can't you just see him talking one-on-one with an offensive lineman or in a group? I could just see it, you know, and, and all those friends he has who are offensive linemen type so yeah um, and mirabell is good
0: too like he's got a rep as a good offensive line coach even though you wouldn't expect yes. looking at him
1: oh he's got a great reputation yeah so um yeah that's that's very exciting actually it makes it makes me much more hopeful for this team for this program going forward
0: yeah and again like i think miami could come away with two or three new offensive linemen by the time we get to signing day which uh yeah, would be huge because of like I said they they've got to stack that depth behind. Again I think the group they have coming back next year, especially with Zion uh, Nelson coming back um, Jalen Rivers healthy. I hope right. presumably after uh, he looked really good at the start of last year like they've got a nice little group of Takkai Clark five, five Ja-Kai six Ja-Kai Clark, Clark. Um, you know John Campbell who didn't play at all last year. DJ Scaife, who has been, I think by the end of last year, was kind of one of their best guys. So they've got a nice little group. But, yeah, it's, it's filling that group behind them. And um, I, I think that's probably the first thing that Mario Cristobal looked at and was like, well, we got we to gotta get this straightened out.
1: Yeah, and they know they've got the quarterback. So, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, any other, like, kind of big-picture thoughts going to sign to Any of these guys uh, you're, you're kind of curious about?
1: Oh, I'm curious about Shamar Stewart, but I don't, I don't know. I don't feel it because everything I read, I mean, you, you, you know, these guys, but everything I read, it's, it's, it seems like uh, it's Texas A&M. I I mean.
0: I have thought, so, so Shamar took a visit to Texas A&M like right at the end of summer, uh, like right as like, you know, right before his season preseason started. And since then um i've thought texas a&m was in the lead i still uh-huh. think texas a&m is in the lead just because i haven't seen anything that make me think differently necessarily um i know he really enjoyed that trip out there but i also know he didn't he didn't make that second trip back there in, in january um no i know mario Cristobal on that that i know mario Cristobal has, has made a difference right it just it's obvious um And I again, I think Miami, you know, Miami would have been in the mix for him no matter what. They'd probably be in the top three even if Manny Diaz was still here. But I think it goes from like Texas A&M for sure to like again, Miami gets the last visit here. They get to really like take that last swing and um, yeah, try to sell him again. I if if I think if signing day was right now, like at six p.m. on January twenty seventh, as we're talking right now. If he had to say right now where he was going, probably be Texas A&M, but I think he's open to being convinced otherwise. Is I guess the way I would put it. Yeah, and I do think that I do think the lack of a defensive coordinator might hurt, but it does help that they have the defensive line coach.
1: Yes, boy, does he look? Doesn't he look big?
0: Yes, I uh, <laughs> I talked to Ahmad Moten the other day, and it was right right after he had the in-home visit, at like. That was like the first thing, like you said, it was like he's huge.
1: He is <laughs> huge. <laughs> he's <think> huge. <laughs> yeah, he's huge. I mean, he's seriously huge. It just yeah. it lends some credibility right away without yeah. anything else. But uh, yeah, that's who to me. That would be so exciting if they could get him because he'd be like another yeah, yeah it's local, another local
0: kid. Like I, another, I, think, I you know. I think part of what Miami is selling particularly to these local kids and right. i think you talked about this when they got wesley Bassainth. um is you know the like i said james williams is probably everyone's second favorite player already right behind tyler van dyke like he's probably the yeah. second most popular player on the team um wow.
1: kim sure. kitchens is
0: probably top five leonard taylor who didn't start a single game last year is one of the seven or eight most popular players in the team already like and it's a lot of it is because they're local kids. And and I think, I think Wesley felt that when he uh, committed to Miami, Uh, you know, he could start at linebacker next year and become a, one of the fan favorites right away. And, and obviously Shamar Stewart is in a a similar position where, um, you know, if he's playing that Leonard Taylor role next year, he's going to be one of the most popular guys on the team.
1: I mean, I love that David, because it just, it reminds me so much of just, Going back to like the, all the way back to right. like the late 90s, um, after Butch was here, and they got guys like Dan Morgan and these really all, you know, Sant- Santana Moss and all these guys that signed that were all local kids that, you know, were bringing, you know, Ed Reed that were bringing UM back. Um, although Ed Reed's not local. Actually, yeah, you're right. He's <laughs> so, Louisiana, but but there were local kids that wanted to, you know, wanted to bring the right bring the pro back, and it just they really did, and um and they and they did it. And you know, there's something about kids that are from here that do it that is contagious. Yeah, that,
0: that, that's why you know it's great that they're getting Josh Connolly to come in from from Seattle. and all likelihood, he's not going to commit to Miami, and it's great that they can convince him to come. You know, people were really excited seeing this junior day they had over the weekend where it was all these guys from all over the country coming and saying their, you know, generic, nice things about Miami. Um, That's all great. And it's great. You know, Mario Cristobal, it's one thing a lot of like local high school coaches have talked about when I, when I've talked to them about Mario Cristobal is uh, especially the ones who care about Miami, who are Miami fans, who, who want to see Miami do well is you can, obviously you're, you're, you gotta, your base has to be local kids, but it's great that Mario Cristobal can go out and pluck a Dave Ayuli or a, uh, you know, get Jaleel Skinner or, uh, you know, get Cyrus Moss to come from Las Vegas. But you still gotta, for Mario Cristobal to be successful, they still, their base has to be the local kids. And that is, you know, Shamar, that's why Shamar Stewart's number one on this list. That is why I, Think it would be huge for Miami to get an R. Mason Thomas or an Ahmad Moten because those are guys who, um, you know, Miami I, don't, I can't remember the last guy Miami got from Cardinal Gibbons, you know, they lost out on Chris Bogle who went to Florida from there. And those are guys who, you know, I think a lot of these local coaches sometimes feel like Miami would like overlook the hidden gems or whatever. You know, they were not really recruiting Ahmad Moten super heavily, but Mario was recruiting him really hard when he was at Oregon and, um. I think there would be a good chance he'd be going to Oregon with to play for Mario Cristobal if he was still there right now. Uh, So I I think the local names that they're they're trying to add here um, uh, are the ones that that really matter because again, it's, it's going to be so hit or miss, you know, you're going to get your spots where you can really convince an out of state kid, but you have to have to have to establish that local base and This was not the best local recruiting class. Um, Just you look at the sheer number of blue chip recruits from South Florida, it does not stack up necessarily with some recent years. But if you get a Shamar Stewart, you get a Wesley Bassaint, you get those two Gibbons kids. Like those are four of the 15 best or 10 or 15 best or whatever from from South Florida. And, um, you know, you missed out on those Heritage kids. You missed out on the Chaminade defensive ends. But but it's a good – it was a really good – really good recovery after it was pretty dicey there I think a couple of months ago locally
1: yes and the interesting thing is that Mario also because now he still has such a close connection to the west coast yeah that it's kind of interesting this year I mean I don't know how much that will wane a right yeah bit.
0: that is a really good point
1: I, I I think he's he's keeping that alive you know so he's getting some transfers from out west and um, and he needs to do that because this is the time to do that. They, they know him there. They know him as much as the kids here know him. So um, maybe more. So it's kind of now he has that going for him too. Um, but that we'll see in years to come. That won't be as much.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, like a Cyrus Miami's obviously recruited Bishop Gorman before. Like maybe they would have a shot at Cyrus Moss no matter what. But right. obviously that was all Mario Cristobal. Like he was going to go to Oregon. My, Mario Cristobal came to Miami. Um is oh. into Miami. Um, but yeah, like the like the Dave Iulis, the Josh Connerlies like is Miami going to you know, guy from the Pacific Northwest, like has Miami ever really recruited the Pacific Northwest? Not really, like maybe it'll again no. like, maybe it'll no. be no. a California, yeah, but yeah. not maybe it'll be something that sticks around because Mario Cristobal has got his connections there. But yeah, like they might get two or three more guys that they're getting just because they were in Mario Cristobal's recruiting footprint when he was at Oregon. And you just can't, you yep. can't prioritize. Like you can't know you can't recruit every lineman from the Pacific Northwest when you're at Miami. Obviously Mario knows that. Um, but, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if it's something that is a trend or if it's just a, a one year, uh, maybe one, two, three years, eventually it's gonna it has to wane just that's how it, yeah, how it how it works. People will forget that Mario Cristobal was at Oregon. The high school kids who are 10 years right. old now and <laughs> seven years from now. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast
1: of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
0: You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. We'll do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. they don't sure. Michelle on this week, but I covered that game last night um, where Charlie Moore with the uh, half court shot at the buzzer. Unfortunately, I was not up in Blacksburg, Virginia for that, um, but it was another, you know, I, I don't know if there's a ton of analysis to do. You know, Miami was looked really good on offense for a while uh, for actually for the whole game. Um, a lot of their weaknesses nearly came back to bite them. They could not rebound a lick. They uh, their defense was pretty terrible. Uh Virginia Tech shot like 55% from three, um, but it didn't matter because um, Charlie Moore hit one of the uh, craziest shots of the of the year, and Miami pulled out a win in Blacksburg and remains atop the ACC. Uh, won a lot of close games lately, lost a lot of close games lately. That's like kind of the one concern I'd probably have if I was a Miami fan. It's like, can we beat someone by 10, please, instead of uh, going into every game down to the wire? But, I tell
1: you uh, what, they're never going to believe that they, they, they're <laughs> ever going to believe they're out of it now, ever.
0: And no, even- never. I mean, you look at the last two games, right? The, the Florida State game where they were down, what, 26 in the first South. half and right. had a shot to win it at the buzzer. Um, it's, a, it's just a really fun team to like follow, to watch because of that element where, first of all, they score a ton and don't really defend. So those games are fun to watch because uh, it's a lot of shots being made. But um, at the same time, like every game going down to the wire, and them winning a lot of them, winning by Duke at Duke by two, two one point losses at Florida State, uh, one point win against Syracuse, and now a three point win uh, at Virginia Tech. Or you know, they're this team's got to make the tournament at this point, barring a total collapse. Um, Every time I'm like, oh, they're going to be ranked. They they end up losing the weekend game, so we'll see what they do uh, at Georgia Tech on Saturday, but. Um, it does feel like every every week uh, you know this team is doing a little bit more to, to generate some buzz, which has been sorely needed uh, for Miami basketball. It's been a, uh, a rough couple of years, as we've said a lot. Right. It, that was an
1: amazing, amazing last shot. And you know what, David, uh, you know, I, I said that UM will never believe that they're out of it. Guess what? The other team also yeah. who play is never going to believe UM's out of it. So I I I almost think that that makes them a little nervous. I, I swear, I, I almost think that makes them a little more on edge late in the game. I mean, depending. I mean, I'm not talking about if UM's 10 points down, you right. know, 30 seconds left. But um I, I think it'll affect the other team's psyche too, which is kind of interesting. So Michelle did a whole story that she posted today on that with Charlie Moore, I
0: guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a um, – I think it's just the way this team is – you know, when you have four guys, five guys really, who can all hit threes and, you know, Isaiah Wong's one of the best tough shot makers in the country and Cam Augusty just seems like he can get – he can get a pretty good look whenever he wants. And, you know, Charlie Moore with his he, – he's got kind of unlimited range as we saw, half-court range uh, from three. Uh, Right. You know, it's like uh, there is that element for the defense where it's like it's not just being nervous that they're going to come back somehow because of like the gods of the basketball gods are deemed it such. But like you got to be perfect defending this team uh, or they're going to ever like you can't you just can't slip up a rotation because a guy will get an open three or whatever. And Miami can knock that down. You know, they hit more than 50 percent last night, too. Uh, shot like 53 percent from the field like they're just a really good offensive team and you know the defense ultimately you know in all likelihood this team is not going to win the national championship and whenever their season ends it'll probably be because the defense just breaks down and they give up 85 points and don't quite keep up on offense but um they're gonna have a chance to win pretty much every game I mean it's interesting because the ACC is so down like maybe there's just some teams in some other leagues that can just overwhelm Miami for whatever reason. But uh, in the ACC, I mean, Miami now, like I said, a half game up in the, in the league, obviously they have that tiebreaker against Duke who's in that, that tie for second. Um, So, you know, there's a, like right now no one looks better in the ACC than, than Miami, which I've kind of felt is the case for a couple of weeks. You know, Duke, I think everyone is like, they're going to get it together fully at one point and just go on a run and maybe win the league. But um, right now, Miami is uh, obviously in, in prime position to uh, to win this conference and keep rising up the seed line. And, and you know, we're going to be talking about this team into March. Maybe they'll even be ranked one day. They beat Georgia Tech on Saturday. They have to be ranked. I'm, I'm telling you, I think it's better that they're not. So. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, keep, keep I, think they, I think they don't care. I mean, I think I would like to see their n- little number next to their name. But, uh, yeah, you know, you know, L's bringing it up. Like, they, they really don't think we're one of the 25 best teams in the country. So, it, yeah. And, it's and, a benefit and, right now, I think.
1: It's always a benefit, yeah. And I, I, I think we should end this by reminding people, if they didn't know that, and they probably don't know, that Monday uh, the ACC is uh, – is announcing the oh
0: yeah schedule. The yeah, football schedule comes out Monday. The ACC schedule. Yep. So, um, so
1: we we already know you know we already know Miami's playing Bethune Cookman on September third and playing Southern Miss on September tenth and traveling to Texas A and M September seventeenth. So we'll talk about that next week. But Miami's got uh, <laughs> I mean they're traveling to Texas A and M and and to Clemson. So Clemson, I think for the first time since 2010.
0: Well, they played them last year, remember, in the weird schedule?
1: Yeah, but I mean, they're tra- but my oh, means- traveling.
0: No, they yeah. traveled to Clemson last year or 2020. Oh,
1: Clemson. oh, because we couldn't go to the game.
0: Right. Yes. And yeah. they weren't supposed to be on the schedule, but it was the, uh, yeah, they got rid of divisions that year. So, but yeah, so the first time in the real rotation since, since 2010. And um. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, their, it's going to be their toughest schedule.
1: Nobody you know. was at that game. You know what though? There couldn't, there couldn't be that many people. Yeah, so it was
0: limited capacity.
1: Yeah. So, Oh yeah, that's totally different. Yeah. I, I've been there, you know, we'll talk about that next Yeah, It's, it's their,
0: tough. their toughest schedule in, in a long time. Um, yes. I, I, I don't even know this last one's the last time that they had two pre, you know, they're both, both those teams be preseason top 10. Definitely. I would think, um, Oh, for sure. You have to go.
1: Texas AM is going to be highly ranked, right?
0: Could be the Shamar Stewart. uh, I know.
1: I thought of that.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I thought of that too.
0: Yeah. So, uh, all right. uh, Leah, we'll wrap things up there. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, We'll obviously also come back after signing day, talk about what um, Mario Cristobal did uh, over this weekend that's coming up. And on signing day, like I said, I think you can go a lot of different ways. I think Miami is. Got to come out of this next week with at least one other big addition. Um, We'll see how big, you know, if they can get a Shamar Stewart or or somehow pull Josh Connerly off the West coast, then um, I I think people will be getting ready to build that Mario Cristobal statue outside the hect already.
1: Definitely. And uh, yeah. And then we'll start, then maybe some coaches will start falling into yeah.
0: Let's see. Um, Yeah. Ken Dorsey, you still thinking there's a, Still, still a chance there? uh possibly. Yeah, I mean, I mean,
1: I, it depends on how Ken feels. Obviously, right. I, I, I. Yeah, I think Mario is definitely interested, but you know, and dominoes have to fall all over the, oh, the NFL. It's still going yeah. on.
0: Yeah, as I tweeted last week, it feels like a because Brian Dable, who's the offensive coordinator there in, in Buffalo right now, um is a serious candidate for the Dolphins job. And like, I just think it'd be pretty funny if everyone's like, Ken Dorsey to Miami. And then he comes in as the Dolphins offensive coordinator instead. Oh my goodness. Right. Maybe you can do both. (laughs) Just set him up at Hard Rock Stadium. uh, Seven days later.
1: (laughs) Beef up the salary.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, let's wrap things up there. Uh, you can follow Susan on Twitter at S. Miller Degnan. Uh, we'll have uh, obviously lots of signing day stuff next week. Schedule, like you said, on Monday. Um, mm-hmm. And monitoring this coaching situation that is uh, still up in the air. You can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. Um, obviously a lot of signing day stuff right now. I'll also be at the senior bowl next week. No hurricanes in the senior bowl though, but, uh, no. but um, I'll see Kenny Pickett. I get to see Surprise. Kenny Pickett up close in person. Is one of our, I think one of our, one of this podcast's favorite college football players of, of recent history. Kenny Pickett.
1: Well, just, just tell Kenny that uh, to remember Tyler Van Dyke outplayed him.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, let's close there. Uh, thanks as always for listening. And we will talk to you guys next week.
1: Goodbye, everybody.